Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We all have plans, goals, and aspirations in our lives, and even for possessions and resources. In today's message, James cautions us by reminding us of our mortality and to rely upon what God gives for life so we can live faithfully in Him. Before we moved to Ohio, I was a youth pastor. Now, if you are unfamiliar with the evangelical culture of a youth group, a youth pastor is designated as pastor to teenagers. The, the, the person who hangs out with very hormonal individuals who have a lot of energy, and some people say, I can't deal with them. Please go and hang out with somebody young. So I was a youth pastor for a time, and we would have our own youth group. We would talk about God. We would talk about subjects that were very prevalent or very um, attuned to what uh, those teens were dealing with. But we would also do some fun events where teens could just be teens or they would be events to invite other teens to uh, just to be able to, to share Christ with them. And so we would have these events um, if you, any of you have ever heard of a lock-in before, essentially you lock a youth group inside of a church building and you do all kinds of games and things like that for the entire night. That is also where I discovered that five-hour energy does work. Praise the Lord. When you stay up all night, you, you'd have teens, like they drop like flies, like around 3 a.m. Oh, they're gone, they're gone. I'm just, let's go, I've had my five, and they're like, why are you still awake? Come on, suck it up, buttercup. Uh, that was the lock-ins that, that we would do. We would also go on trips. We would have mission trips where we would go and do short-term work in a place that needed help. We went to Joplin, Missouri in the midst of the uh, EF5 tornado. Uh, we helped in New Orleans in Katrina recovery. And then we would also go on weekends uh, fun weekends where there was like a concert and things. There was a place down in Branson, Missouri. By the way, Kansas City, there's a Kansas City, Missouri in Kansas. We just stayed in Missouri the entire time, just, just for complete clarity there. We would go down to, to uh, Branson, Missouri, and, uh, you know, we would go all out, have a lot of fun at, at Silver Dollar City, roller coasters, concerts, all that kind of stuff. But every time that you would do any of these events... You felt, or I felt, I shouldn't say you, I felt very, very responsible for giving parents and teenagers an understanding of what was going to happen. So I would always create itineraries. So this is the time we're leaving, this is the time we're meeting, this is all that kind of stuff. So parents who are at home know what's going on, and the kids would have some semblance of, I need to be here at this time, and I need to be here at this time, right? All those different kinds of things. But the thing about youth ministry is that it's very, well, it's with youth, and things often veer off schedule very quickly because teenagers are teenagers. And the funny part was is that at one point, a, a girl, her name's Reagan, she came up to me and I handed everybody an itinerary and she goes, Matt, why do you do these? We're, we're not going to stay on, on schedule. I don't even know why you do these anymore. And I told her, I said, Reagan, it's really for me. <laughs> because I am actually a very structured person. 
I like to know what to do. My days are often writing out what I need to do and finding, checking it off and all those things. Some of you are like me, and some of you are not like me. It's like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? It sounds so terrible, right? Uh, but the reality of it is, is that I like to have things in order to make sure that things go well. That's who I am. I'm a very structured person. I plan. If you ever talk to me about meeting me, I get my phone out, look at my calendar, all of those things. That's who I am. Now, not all of us are this way. But every single human can relate to the idea that we have the ability to make plans in our lives, correct? Even if you are not this most structured, organized person, you, you probably have plans on some level, either in your mind or your phones or what you want to do with life, right? Humans are gifted with the ability to think beyond the present. It's a gift. It really is. Where we can have goals in front of us and begin to make the steps to get to those goals. Now, here's the interesting piece, though. Just like Reagan being so wise, saying, why do you do this? This is going to go off course anyways. At any point in time, our plans, our aspirations, our goals, our schedules can veer off course, can they not? And not to interject darkness and to make you feel a little... <gasps> but there's no guarantee that you're going to last another five minutes to do that thing that you have planned later today. Right? Life is fragile. James understands this and in today's passage will bring this reality to light to try and teach us some wisdom and how a faithful life with God recognizes that the plans and the aspirations and the goals, all the things that we sometimes get hung up on, might not be happening. May actually be detrimental to our life with God and to our life with others. So we're, again, we're going to be in James chapter 4, verse 13. And some of you who are very organized and structured are like, what, what? I, I need my schedule. It's okay, we're going to get to it, okay? I promise. <laughs> again, James chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. Pay attention. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town. We will stay there a year buying and selling and making a profit. You don't really know about tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for only a short while before it vanishes. Here's what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. It is a sin when somebody knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it. Pay attention, you wealthy people. Weep and moan over the miseries coming upon you. Your riches have rotted. Moths have destroyed your clothes. Your gold and silver have rusted, and their rust will be evidence against you. It will eat your flesh like fire. Consider the treasure you have hoarded in the last days. Listen, hear the cries of the wages of your field hands. 
These are the wages you stole from those who harvested your fields. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of heavenly forces, and you have lived a self-satisfying life on this earth, a life of luxury. You have stuffed your hearts in preparation for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous one who does not oppose you. Our plans and our schedules and our aspirations and our goals often come in two kinds of circumstances. One, what we're going to do, and two, what we're going to earn or attain. Financials, resources. And James talks about these two different circumstances. And you might think to yourself, man, this is a pretty dark thing to go straight to. Hey, got plans later? You might die. (laughs) That might be, geez, James, are you okay? Uh, But what James is trying to do is to continue his theme that he has offered the entire letter. At the very beginning of the letter, he talks about God being a generous God, and he gives all that we need. In a life of faith, you can keep on going to God for not just how you live or how you speak, but also what to do and how to relate. Every piece of life, every piece of life, you can receive from God. And that's exactly what he is drawing attention to in this moment. He's trying to wake them up Wake us up out of the things that we get stuck on and say, hey, remember, God is the one who grants you life. God is the one who grants you gifts. God is the one who provides. A fundamental to our faith is this. God provides for us in everything. If you follow Jesus, you go to God for everything. You don't get to say, hey God, I'm going to take this thing that you got, but ignore this other thing that you gave me. (laughs) That's what James has been discussing this entire time. God will provide you exactly what you need to live in the way he wants you to live. These two circumstances, the circumstances of making plans and thinking that you can get everything in your life taken care of, and the other circumstance of attaining wealth, attaining possessions, are both places, circumstances that we often forget that God provides. Let's take apart that first piece. Pay attention, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town. We will stay there a year buying and selling and making a profit. You don't know about tomorrow. Now, I'm going to cite some other scripture references because James is a first century Jew. And he has his scriptures in mind whenever he writes this. 
But to those of us who might be not completely sold on everything that, that James has brought or even sometimes what Scripture sometimes says, does James not bring up something that all of us forget often? Life is fragile. Life is not completely in our hands. You can be the most safe, you can be the, the most safest, you can be the safest driver in the entire world. Doesn't mean that you'll not die in a car wreck. You can run marathons. Doesn't mean that you're going to live all the way until you're 85 or 90. You can have plans, emergency funds and savings and yada. doesn't mean that the markets are going to keep on keeping on. So often we have these plans that we put in place and they become, well, we become fixated on them. I have to do what I want to do and very often it comes at a cost to ourselves, to our relationships with others, to our relationships with God. Because what we do is, I have to do my plan. I have to get this done. I have to. So James just basically appeals to our mortality. Hey, y'all, remember, you're not guaranteed another minute in this life. Because in James's worldview, in the worldview of following Christ, we recognize that every breath, every moment of life is actually a gift from God. He is the one who grants us the life that we have. And the moment that we take it and make it for our own things, we lose appreciation and we lose that posture of going to God for everything. But just to give some of you Bible nerds like me some content, here are some scriptures that James probably has in his mind as he writes this. Because throughout, not just the New Testament, throughout the Old Testament, you receive pieces of wisdom that bring forth the mortality of humans and say, hey, don't get too full of yourselves. Psalm 144.4 says this, man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Psalm 90.20, so teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. You might be thinking to yourself, oh, I don't know if following Jesus is really great. I mean, this is all pretty dark stuff to, to just think of our mortality all the time. <laughs> it's not that you, you live in fear of death. You actually move in faith to God recognizing that he holds you instead of everything being on you. And that is what gives you peace, that lifts anxiety from us, that lifts the burdens from us. This is why Jesus said, come to me all who are weary. My yoke is light. 
I will take your burdens from you. That's a paraphrase, I understand. But that's, that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. So wisdom is not to get fixated on the plans that we make ourselves no matter what. Rather, say this, if the Lord wills, then, yeah, we'll be able to live and be able to do this or that. But the second circumstance really comes out of this first one. Here's James talking about economics again. (laughs) Just so everybody knows, the Bible talks about economics a lot more than it's probably preached. It's pretty significant. And the reason is, is because so often when it comes to economics, we often put our goals and our possessions the things that we want to attain, the things that we hope to receive, this th- you know. I mean, and, and we're not talking about, like, extravagant things. A lot of us have a dream of owning a home one day, or a lot of us have a dream of, of having a car that you don't have to fix every six months, or a lot of us have these desires for these things. But very easily, even the smallest of resources can become what we, we get fixated on. Because just so you know, James isn't really writing to wealthy people. But all of a sudden he goes, hey, pay attention to you wealthy people. A bunch of people who got James's letter are like, um, who's he talking to? We're poor. The reason is, is that we can so easily get fixated on wealth or the wealth of others or the wealth of, that we want to attain that we begin to do things that are out of good relationship with God and with others. There is not a moment in Scripture where riches and money and possessions are elevated to be something that we go after. There is not a point in this Bible where it says, hey, go for that million dollars. Go for this thing. Go for that. In fact, there are wealthy people in Scripture, but very often wealthy people are cautionary tales in Scripture. Be careful that you do not end up in this way where your riches and your possessions and all of these things that you have become the end-all, be-all in your life. Because it will lead you to hating your neighbor. You will do what it takes to get the money over loving your neighbor. So James, when he begins to talk about people who are wealthy, he brings in the circumstance of, hey, you know all that stuff that you got from the wealth that you attained? You know how you got that wealth? You didn't pay your workers enough for them to live. And this is not how God wants you to live. This is not how God wants you to go about your life. Stop chasing after this stuff at the cost of your neighbors. Again, I appeal to somebody who might not necessarily be completely sold on Scripture. 
I think it's a near universal thing that the economic disparities that we see in the world, not just in our own economy, but worldwide, it's a problem. We know that there are people who are hungry while there are people who, who throw food away. We might be some of those people. We know that there are significant differences where there are children who have stomachs that are rounded because they have not had food in days, while others are not. And this speaks to us because we're very often on the wealthy side of things. And it hurts. And we have to really not only take James's words seriously, but we have to take Jesus' words seriously. Because Jesus himself teaches that, that it's more difficult for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. No one can serve two masters. He says this in the Sermon on the Mount. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And the reason why Jesus says it in this way, it's not that having things is bad, it's because our focus to get those things comes at the cost of other people around us. Where we stop living into the royal law of love. Love God, love your neighbor. When we go after wealth, we think, I need to get this. And we ignore the person who doesn't have a place to lay their head. And we ignore the person who does not have food. And we ignore the people around us that are crying for help and we could easily be a source of help. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German theologian, says this, Earthly possessions dazzle our eyes and elude us into thinking that they can provide us security and freedom from anxiety, yet all the time they are the very source of all anxiety. Going after wealth, going after possessions, going after everything that our culture lifts up will only bring you anxiety. It will not give you peace. So why are these two things why are these two things being brought to our attention? It's because in both cases, making plans, aspirations, goals, or going after wealth or going after possessions, all draw our attention away from the reality that faith relies on God. Your life relies on God. The most arrogant thing that you and I can say to God is, my goal, my way, my desires will come from me. And I'm going to pay attention to that far more than what you have given me which he gave us everything in the first place. Self-sufficiency is one of the most arrogant postures you and I can have 
in a life of faith where we think, I can handle it, I can do it, I can make the right plans. At some point, you're going to hurt somebody, you're going to hurt yourself, you're going to hurt God. As I was thinking about this, I thought of, a, of an image, an edge of a hill almost. And so I wrote it out in this kind of way. The moment we get comfortable in our plans, our standard of living, or how we're living is the edge of a hill we will fall down into arrogant sin. Man, I got everything. I'm doing everything great. It's because of me. Look at me. You're rolling down that hill. And you have forgotten that God has given you all things. And you will likely find yourself betraying your neighbor because you thought it was all on it was it was all you it was all me the moment that we get comfortable in our plans our standard of living or how we're living is the edge of a hill we will fall down into arrogant sin Because what we begin to do is we begin to put pressure on ourselves and we begin to put pressure on others that we say, My, I, for, in order for me to do this, I'm going to have to do something wrong to you to get it. Why are, pe why are we so divided in a world that we live in? People are grasping for power and will do whatever they take to get it. They'll go for wealth at the cost of their neighbor. And we can do the same exact thing. I think something that is, is really interesting, this is just an observation, being a semi-young person. A lot of people wonder, why, why are young people so anxious these days? And I, I, th I think a lot of it is because as time has gone on, we talk about the individual and how you know, do the job that you can do and have the career and school and this and that and these and those. And at the same time, we have less, less ability to prepare for the future. Some of you have pensions. You know that pensions don't exist anymore, right? It's on the individual to save. Some people are lucky to get a matching from their job. Some do not. Literally, the savings that they have is the only savings that they have. This brings anxiety because it's all put on the individual. But it's not just young people that are exempt from this. How many of you experience anxiety because you feel like it will all fall apart if you do something wrong? It will all fall apart if you are not the center of it. God has you. Realize that everything in your life is a gift. And this is where you will find that peace. Not only the peace for your inner self, but the peace to live with your neighbor and to do the counter-cultural things of turning the other cheek 
of not seeking revenge, of seeking love for our neighbors even if they don't even like us, of realizing that humble losing is actually the way that Jesus lived. Otherwise, we will be in a continuous and utter spiral of trying to out-compete, out-learn, out-save, out-power, outdo everyone around us to the point of hurting somebody else around us. And this is not the way that God wants us to live. It's in love. Now let's be very clear. You need food to live. We all need a certain amount of things. It's not bad to have a house. Money is not a bad thing. Possessions are not a bad thing. They're amoral. They can tempt us to a point of hurting our neighbors. Having plans is not a bad thing. (laughs) But when it comes at the cost of those around you, we will find ourselves not living into the way that God has called us to live. You ever in the middle of something and somebody calls you and you're like, I don't want to talk to this person. You never call them again. Anybody ever do that? Yeah, see, it's, it's okay to be honest. I'm in the middle of this. What if that person needed you and God was going to work in that moment? Driving down the road, see a person on the side, and I understand that not all of us can help with cars and things like that, but if you have the ability, now my, my plans are more important. I find this in my own life sometimes. Sometimes I get calls on my day of Sabbath from people who I do not know seeking help. I don't want to answer this. It's in those moments that when we determine that our life is more important than loving God and loving our neighbor, that we may fall into the arrogance of sin. Because remember, for James, sin isn't just doing the thing that God prohibited, it's omitting the right thing he called us to do. So friends, understand, I, you need stuff. We all need stuff. But they cannot become the focal point of our lives. I wrote it in this way. It's not that God wants you to have nothing. It's not that God wants you to have nothing. It's that he only wants you to have him. And he'll provide the rest. Because he is a good God. Giver of generous gifts. Abundant gifts. And may that be enough. God, James is basically saying a faithful life in God isn't, oh God, what you gave me is enough and I'm going to have this too. No, it's enough. 
It's enough. It's enough. One particular youth trip, we're coming back to the days when I was a youth pastor. We were coming back from a weekend. The bus was full of students. It was fun. It was eventful. It was tiring. I did not have a lot of sleep. I was excited to get home and sleep in my own bed. I didn't have youth group that night because I'd just been hanging out with teenagers for the past three days. I'm done with them. Praise the Lord. If any of my previous teens are watching this, that makes it sound like I hated you. I loved you, actually. Just, I needed space. Uh, <laughs> but we're driving, barreling down the high, highway, as you do in any of the uh, Plains states. And I'm driving a large bus. And I was excited. I was excited to get my plans in motion of just being home and relaxing. That was what was on my mind until something happened. All of a sudden, my power steering was out. This is a 30-person bus, by the way. It's not a small bus. It's not a van. It's a 30-person bus. All my instruments were gone. I stepped on the brake, and it did not brake. I am terrified. And in this moment, I'm wondering what is going on, but also I need to worry about the livelihoods of all these kids that I have in my back, in the back of my bus. And you need to understand that we were coming up to a red light on this highway when this happened. And I'm thinking to myself, am I going to be able to stop? Am I going to be able to pull off because I don't have anything. I don't have brakes. I don't have power steering. Any of it. I am terrified. The adrenaline is pumping. And by the very grace of God, he gave me a right turn lane that yielded into another road that I was able to slow down enough to come to a stop in a Walmart parking lot where we safely stopped. There's nothing more jarring than to be reminded that, oh, I could die. And all the kids who I've got with me could die with me. My plans didn't matter anymore. All that I had was God and a prayer. It's terrifying. But all my concern was about those kids, about my neighbor. I didn't care about me. I cared about those kids more than anything. That's the kind of faith that James is offering here. Remember, life is fragile. Stop putting your focus on all these things that you selfishly want and realize that God is the one who gives you every breath and every moment. And live faithfully to him and receive all that he gives. Thankfully, again, it was by the grace of God. It was a, uh, it was a belt. A belt snapped and everything went. It was scary. But by the grace of God, he gave us another day to live. He brought us 
to safety. Like my night at home was that important. <laughs> right? So friends, may we live in such a way that we are humble, receiving all from God and doing all that God gives and living in all the ways that God gives. May we recognize that it's not about us going after our goals, our aspirations, our financials, but rather living faithfully to Him in all things. And in doing so, we will live humble lives with great wisdom in a way that loves God and loves our neighbor. We will live lives of peace and joy and contentedness. We will live in faith. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.